the Voice of Retail podcast. My name is Michael LeBlanc, and I am your host. This podcast is produced in conjunction with Retail Council of Canada. Meet Jim Harris, one of North America's foremost management consultants, public speakers, authors, and thinkers on change and leadership. Jim and I finally met in person here in Toronto at the Big Collision Tech Conference, and who better to join me on the mic to give us a review and overview of the conference that attracted almost 40,000 global technorati, plus tap into his insights about the big picture tech trends that retailers need to know. Jim, welcome to the Voice Retail Podcast. How are you doing this morning? Fantastic, Michael. Thank you so much for inviting me on. Well, listen, it was so great to, uh, you know, accidentally meet you, so to speak, at the collision event in the media room, because you and I had, you know, I, I knew your name and I, I love your work, but we had never had the opportunity to meet or be in the same place at the same time. So thank you, Collision, for putting us at the same table. And there you go. And here we are on the mic. So thanks again Woo-hoo. for joining me. Woo. <laughs> there you go. Um, where am I finding you this morning? Where, where do you live and, and uh, where, where are you hanging your hat right now? Well, I'm in Toronto, but I work mm-hmm. internationally around the world. I speak yep. at more than 50 conferences a year and do wow. strategic planning session with executive mm-hmm. teams. That's great. What's your? How is summer for you? I've got a gig uh, coming up in, in New York, and then I'm in Orlando. How is summer for you? It tends to be. I, I thought it would be slower than it was because typically, but you know, there's there's still some stuff going on. How is it for you? Yeah, summer does slow down, mm-hmm. uh, but I also do social media work. Uh, oh, my okay. account was the number one personal account at the Consumer wow. Electronics Show wow. in Vegas in 23 Amazing. and in 22. Yeah. Um, now that's a personal account. There were, mm. you know, CNET and Mashable sure. media organizations that have dozens of journalists there beat me. But yeah. my account was the only personal account in the top five. Right. So I do social media work as well. So uh, that fills in year round. Yeah, no kidding. It, the 24 hour uh, social media cycle. Well, listen, uh, we've kind of jumped right in. Let's start with a little bit more. For those who might have heard the name or perhaps know you but don't know enough about you, tell us about yourself and you know, a bit of your background and, and generally what you do for a living. Sure. So I focus on AI, disruption, and innovation uh, and tech. And when I focus on tech, it's not just tech for the sake of tech. It's how does new technology change business models and the way consumers interact with organizations? So it's a very exciting field, and uh, you were talking about Collision. Mm-hmm. Collision is this huge gathering of 36,000 attendees from more than 100 countries. There are 1,500 startups there, about 1,000 journalists, about 1,000 investors. Yeah. So it's a really great look at the froth of innovation around tech. And it's fascinating when you begin digging into it because tech really does change uh, business models and the way we work. Yeah, yeah, I love I love that approach. Now, a little bit more. How did you How did you get into this line of work? Like, what's your What's your origin story? Were you always uh, I guess were you always interested in tech? Like back in you know back in high school, you were the you were the guy who loved the tech story, even though it was kind of like whatever it was, the new calculator. Out. Like, were you always this interested in it, or just do you approach it? From a, I'm interested in what changes things, and now that's a lot about technology. Where, what's your origin story from that perspective? Well, the origin story is I, I co-authored a book for the Financial Post called The 100 Best Companies to Work for in Canada, and mm-hmm. that was 33 years ago. 
And really, it was looking at what are the characteristics that the best organizations have in common. And uh, that really began me on the speaking circuit. Hmm. It also began this quest for what enables great customer uh, focus, uh, delivering exceptional value to the customer. And increasingly, over the years, technology has been the driver uh, of the answer to that question. Mm. Uh, so, for instance, we saw in the pandemic, uh, people's patterns shattered forever. Mm-hmm. If they were permanently mm. broken and people were forced to learn how easy it is to shop online. And so e-commerce or online shopping experienced 10 years of growth in the first 90 days of the pandemic. And it's like a genie that's got out of the bottle that's never going to go back in. So um, that's an example of something that existed pre-pandemic, the Mm -hmm. the rise of online shopping or Mm e-commerce, and uh, an event, like a major global event, the pandemic. Mm. And the change, in other words, the trend wasn't new. It was accelerated during the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, particularly in Canada, right? Because Canada was a bit of a laggard in terms of e-commerce for a whole bunch of reasons the listeners would probably be familiar with. But uh, it was a great leap forward, more so in Canada than the U.S. The U.S. was already heading on that trajectory. It moved forward. But Canada really did. I don't think it was like 70% year-over-year growth in 2021. And as you said, it's very, uh, you know, very astute observation. The waterline has permanently moved up, right? Mm-hmm. In other words, the, the percentage of share of retail done online uh i think uh at collision actually i heard paul uh paul bradley from uh insider intelligence formerly marketer say their estimate was about 12 percent, which i think is a good solid estimate uh super super interesting so you would describe yourself first as a journalist and then now as a how would you you know if somebody says what do you do for a living in in the elevator we, we got three more floors to go what, what do you say Well, 70% of my revenue comes from speaking at conferences, being Mm -hmm. a keynote, Mm -hmm. and doing strategic planning with executive teams. So that's the bulk of my revenue. A consultant, a journalist, you're a consultant, an observer, Uh, a futurist, Uh, a journalist, all those things. Yeah, a futurist, a journalist, a consultant, a facilitator of strategic planning, (laughs) all of the above. And then the writing and the thought leadership. Yeah. It ties into the social as well, because if you sure. follow me on social, on Twitter, or connect to me on LinkedIn, yeah. um, or follow me, subscribe on YouTube, you know, what I post is all about what we're talking about today. Right, right. Very good. Well, let's let's talk about Collision for a bit. So a uh, huge conference, as, as you've mentioned. I wanted to spend some time with, uh, you know, with your lens, your expert lens. You've been to a lot of these things. What were your kind of key takeaways from the event? I mean, I I think there is something about AI pretty much in almost everybody's presentation. So that's a bit of a gimme for you. But what else? What else did you take away from your day spent at Collision? Well, you know, I want to focus on AI because it's it's uh, on November thirtieth in twenty twenty two, ChatGPT launched. And it was what I'm going to call a mosaic moment. Mm, I don't mm. know if you think back, Michael, to the birth of the web with uh, Mosaic. The browser, yeah. That was a mosaic moment in 1993. And the reason it's analogous is what happened in 93 is every day 
there was a new application, new functionality for the web. I mean, the internet had been around since forever. Sure. Uh, for 40 years with military and research applications yep. called DARPnet. But That's right. what, what Mosaic did is it made it accessible to the world, to everyday people. And all of a sudden, millions and then billions of people were using the web. And we had Mosaic and IE and, you know, Netscape, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. And this is what we're living in right now with ChatGPT. Mm. Every single day, there are new applications about what generative AI can do for us. Mm. And it is literally mind-blowing. And we will look back on November 30th, 2022, and say nothing was ever the same going forward. <laughs> um, do, you, so, do, you ever worry, do you ever worry that we're stuck in a Terminator movie and we look back at that as the day of uh, the beginning of... The of, beginning of the end? <laughs> you know, the, the, you know, the AI became self-aware at, us not, at another date and then it's all over for us, but it was fun ride while we had it. Like, do you do you... I mean, you know, AI, listen, the good news about AI is all the things you described. I mean, I use it myself, and I think it's, you know, every new technology, I, I wonder if you agree, is generally first been feared as a job killer, but gen generally winds up in the fullness of time being job creator. Um, but are you, do you worry about the the dark side? I mean, I already talked to uh, law enforcement who said ch that the chat GPT and AI has already ramped up uh, the, the quality and quantity of spamming, just for one example. How do you think about that? I mean, you, you've been around for a while to see both the, the bright and the dark elements of technology. How do you put that into a frame and, and out the other side come out with a, an understanding? The first thing I want to say is uh, around job loss. Uh, if, you know, Canada sub, uh, celebrated its sesquicentennial a um, number of years ago, 1867. If yep. you go back to 1867 and look at it, 80% uh, of jobs in Canada were in agriculture. Today, it's less than 2%. So mm -hmm. when farm automation came along, there were huge protests. Like, what are we going to do with all the horse people, you know, the horse, the farm right. workers, you know? Right. And, you know, somehow we survived farm automation. So it's going to be the same with this. But what mm -hmm. is certain is that jobs change. People have to learn and upskill. Mm -hmm. Companies change, new companies emerge, and uh, old companies that used to thrive will die unless they change. And it's actually easier for them to die than it is to change. <laughs> for so, right. you know, um, yeah. if you look at uh, horse carriage makers and and uh, uh, in New York City, yeah, there were thousands in New York and the rest of the U.S. Uh, and those 4,600 carriage makers went down to 150 over 10 years yeah. with the emergence of the car. So the majority of companies are not able to transform themselves. Uh, and we're going to see that today with the automobile. The majority of auto companies today are going to be dead in 10 years. Mm, mm. Yeah, you, so, you spend a lot of time in the auto space. I was on your site and you, you had some great insights uh, uh, in the automotive space, right? So that's, that I, is, I'm kind of jumping around a little bit, but it, it, is your focus on automotive uh, as a category because that's a, a real net um, intaker of technology and, and a good example of an industry that's just being upended? Is that um, why you – or do you just like cars? It could be both. Well, like. <laughs> uh, 
Um, I'm concerned about our climate uh, and climate mm-hmm. change and mm-hmm. transportation is a huge sector in terms of its fossil fuel use. So sure. the electrification of mm-hmm. the $10 trillion a year transportation industry is absolutely essential for our planet uh, planet survival and our survival. Okay. Okay. So there's, there's a higher reason for doing it, but it's a great case study right now mm-hmm. because I've been talking about Tesla. You can go back to my YouTube channel and see a 2017 talk I gave on Tesla. Mm-hmm. Um, and people were saying, oh, aren't you focusing on EVs too much? And yeah, yeah. a woman came up to me recently and she said, I just have to thank you. I was at that talk and uh, I invested in Tesla <laughs> and I've had a 20x return. So I want to thank you. I hope to ask uh, for a little, a little present. Yeah, totally you want to, you want to. <laughs> You want Buy me a coffee hit, at least for God's sake. Hit me on my YouTube yeah. channel there. <laughs> Become a Patreon um, and give me a bit of money. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm a creator yeah. here. Are you are you so, surprised? Again, are you surprised? I'm jumping around again, but are you surprised? Here's what surprised me about the EV market. Um I'm surprised that it's moved as fast as it has in the uh consumer market and it hasn't moved farther. In the in, and this is relevant to the podcast in supply chain and, and big large trucks and vehicles to move product, which generally go up and down in this country, the four hundred one in a pretty straight line. I'm surprised we're not farther ahead in the B two B supply chain. Are you surprised, or is, is it no. rolling out so, the way you thought? So to understand disruption, uh, we need to look at what are called cost curves. So the majority of cost of an electric vehicle in 2010, about 70% of the cost was in the batteries. Ah, I see. But the cost of those batteries has fallen 90% since 2010. Hmm. And what happens then is the cost of EVs are declining along with it. And today, the Tesla Model EV, uh, Model 3 in the U.S. is now cheaper than the average price of a gas car. Hmm. So you're going to see an explosion of, you know, purchases of EVs mm-hmm. because the bad underlying battery technology has come down so much and it was the biggest cost. Yeah. And, and you've and now got cost, the, the charging infrastructure now started, you know, with uh, it, it's super interesting, right? With Tesla opening up their infrastructure to other sure. EV charging, right? Super interesting. Yeah, well, they've opened it because of uh, Biden's IRA, uh, in Inflation Reduction Act uh, mm. budget, which basically dangled $7.5 billion uh, for Tesla to open its charging network. A lot of money. And what it's done for Tesla is it's made Tesla the de facto standard for North right. America, their charging, which yeah. then has led Wall Street analysts to say, oh, my God, there's this huge yeah. future yeah. revenue stream for Tesla charging yeah. GM and yeah. Ford for charging at their superchargers. I, I heard somebody describe it like the Betamax versus VHS battle. Very much so. Right? Yes, Is that, yeah. exactly right. Mm. Interesting. Um, so what happens, though, to your earlier question about long-haul transportation, mm. hugely energy-intensive Mm-hmm. And so the number of batteries that you need for a long-haul truck is humongous. And you need to drive, keep on driving the cost of the battery technology lower. So even though it's fallen 90%, 
Tesla is driving down the price to where in three years it'll be only 50% of what it is now. Hmm. And once it hits 50%, you can sell a long-haul truck that uh, for $200,000 that will save you $200,000 of fuel over hmm. a million uh, miles. Over the lifetime of the vehicle, yeah. Yeah, so or 1.6 million kilometers, million mm-hmm. miles. So all of a sudden, your operating cost, or a CFO would call it OPEX, is uh, so much lower that it makes irrelevant what the CAPEX of switching your vehicles over are. Right, right. So once we hit that inflection point, you're going to see a click. And all of a sudden, nobody is going to buy any gas long-haul trucks. Mm. And the industry, which has ignored sustainability for so many years, is going to go, oh, my God, uh, we need to get serious about this. There are so Mm. many things they could have done. Like if you put little strips of metal, it's called a skirt, Mm. on the undersides of the truck, it uh, reduces wind turbulence and increases your fuel efficiency by 6%. Now, 6% might not sound like much, but uh, Walmart does a billion miles a year of (laughs) long-haul trucking, and uh, that is a humongous saving. It's like savings in the hundreds of millions of dollars. Mm. So the trucking industry, which has never really focused on efficiency, the aerodynamic design of trucks are horrific, Um. We'll all of a sudden get blindsided by the by the EV trucks. Let's um, let's go back to the uh, the the risk part of AI, and then I want to get kind of narrow the lens and just talk about uh, not just but talk about uh, any observations that resonate for you on uh, uh, from the conference on retailers. But you know, do you are you concerned that we're moving too fast in AI? We're kind of like you know, it's been around for a long time. I've been talking about it as well for a long time, and now we've. We've hit this mosaic moment, as you described it. Are you concerned now we're going too fast, or are you? how are you thinking about that? No, I'm not concerned we're going too fast. Uh, of course, we need to make it safe always. Uh, and, but let me give you an example that will mm-hmm. blow you away. The, the user interface for Amazon really hasn't changed very much in, in 20 years. True, yeah. And um, I picked this up from uh, Peter Goldstein, who is uh, the generative AI thought leader for TopTal. He gave a master class on generative AI at, at Collision. And so the, the user interface for Amazon hasn't changed in 20 years. And we think about generative AI just as text because we're all thinking about chat GPT. But we need to think about it like images as well. And if my wife has a favorite dress... And she wants new shoes for that. If you go, I tried this before coming onto the podcast this morning. Mm-hmm. If if you go to Amazon and type in women's dress shoes, you'll get more than a hundred thousand results. And it's on you to kind of fish through them and refine your searches. And you know, yep. look, you know, then you go, okay, black uh, patent leather dress shoes, and this and that. Anyways, you keep narrowing it down. You still have thousands of them. But maybe imagine this. With generative AI, you can use images. Imagine she uploads the image of her favorite dress, and the AI looks at pairings and comes back and says, these are the 20 shoes that would work best 
with this dress. And then she says, well, I don't want such a high heel. I, I, I don't want a three-inch heel. I only want a two-inch heel. And I don't want stilettos. I want these. And then it comes back with 20 more images. So that the generative AI is doing the work. You as the consumer are not mm. sorting through thousands of images mm. to do the work. And so think about how that will revolutionize online retail. Mm. Imagine having, in essence, a personal shopper yeah. working for you while you're on the site. Funny, and right? It, it, it brings us back in the retail context to you know, decades and, and current. You walk in a store and ask a great associate, what goes with what? And you get a solution, but now you're, you're right. I mean, a lot of the, the Amazon, you know, I often think about this bifurcation of retail where you're either efficiency or experience and the, you know, it's very efficient to shop online, but you know, you got to know exactly what you're looking for. What you're suggesting or positing is that AI will bridge that gap between uh, what can be a choppy experience other than getting it fast to your doorstep and actually finding product you love. That's super interesting. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I'm very excited about it. Okay. Um, so the way the human brain works is we focus on the negative first. It's a, mm. a form of self-preservation. Well, Mr. Hinton and was certainly pointing us in that direction at Collision, right? I mean, he said some pretty strong things about it. Absolutely. Uh, he was very much focused on the negative. Yeah, yeah. I am focused on the positive and then say, okay, what can we do to mitigate any risks? Sure. But I know a CEO who's saving uh, two to three hours a day mm. because he has ChatGPT write his prospecting letters to new uh, executives that he's right. pitching. Mm. Um, so if you look at the studies, PwC uh, believes that AI will add fifteen and a half trillion dollars of value to our global economy by 2030, and fifty-five percent of that is in productivity improvements. Mm. So the example we used about uh, my wife uploading her favorite mm -hmm. dress to Amazon mm -hmm. is a productivity improvement, rather than her have to spend an hour rooting around. Uh, Amazon to find the perfect pair of shoes to go with her favorite dress. Mm. Um, you know, the process takes minutes, yeah. she, and you she might could, think she oh, can spend all that time on TikTok, and and you yeah, wonder. So I she wonder, can spend it on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I often say I, I I was asking another guest if 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 time was an artificial construct because they said you know what we've gained in the efficiency in our lives. I mean, you know, you and I are are similarly. Uh, have a similar generation. It used to be a lot harder to get a lot of basic things done. And we ask ourselves, what happened to all that time? You know, we're, are we using it properly? So we're kind of we're getting beyond the the scope of our our pod. Let's 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 rein it back in with kind of a couple of final observations about collision. Did you leave the show thinking uh, that uh, the Toronto, the Canadian, the global tech scene was in a good place, or were you thinking about that Warren Buffett? quote, you know, when the tide goes out, you see who's swimming naked. Which, which camp were you in at the end of that show? I'm a journalist, so this might seem funny to have this critique. Hmm. But uh, negative news sells far more than positive news. Mm -hmm. 
so I mean, there's a saying called "If it bleeds, it leads." Yeah, you know, yeah. death, destruction. These are the top stories. Uh, I actually look for the good, and what we can see is that uh, we've come through the pandemic. We're actually in an entirely new environment. It's we're never going back to the way things were. How are people making things work in this new reality? And entrepreneurs are people who adjust, who experiment uh, with new things. And so this gives me incredible hope. There are such amazing entrepreneurs here in Canada. So I get really jazzed by a show like Collision. And yeah. uh, so I'm, I'm not uh, upset. The other thing that I've heard is economists for the last 18 months have been talking about a recession that has never come. That's next month. Every, next month for the last 18 <laughs> and months, next right? Next month's a recession. <laughs> so um, what is it? Yeah. And I want to point out that yeah. we've been in the highest inflationary period in, in 30 years in Generation. Canada, 40 years mm-hmm. in the U.S. But technology and innovation are hugely deflationary. And Mm. what do I mean by that? Mm. So if you go back to 1980, a phone call from Toronto to Paris, France, adjusted for inflation was $10 a minute. Mm. So if you have 30 people globally on a three-hour conference call, that by that standard, that would be a $10,000 phone call. But on Zoom, it's free. Mm -hmm. So... Incredible. Look at the huge deflationary impact of technology and innovation. And collision is really about technology and innovation. And so I get excited because uh, all this froth of innovation and all I was just in San Francisco in the Bay Area working with a, a, a client doing a two day strategic planning session. And, you know, the Bay Area has had thousands of layoffs from tech. Yeah. But the time we get a recession is when there's high unemployment. And the moment you lay off a thousand people from Facebook, they have a job the next day. Yeah. So we've heard about all these uh, layoffs. That's what has made the headlines in the media. Yeah. But what ha- we haven't seen is high unemployment. Yeah. We have, it's still very hard to find people for your company. Yeah. So this economist have all these rules, which are historic rules that aren't applicable in this new reality. I guess the, the, the good news is when I talk to economists um, and we've, I've talked to global leading economists and we have great conversations. Sometimes they're as baffled as I am about these outcomes, right? Is that, you know, I love the way you're interjecting this other factor that is changing Galbraith economics, right? Is that mm-hmm. algae is, as you know, it traditionally was the case. You'd have high, high inflation, you'd have, high unemployment, the, the markets would clear and, and things. But now we've got probably a decade of full employment because we're just not, <laughs> we're not replicating the population enough, I guess, is what some of the experts say. Let's, let's move on to, I mean, as you mentioned off the top, you, you do some work, uh, you, you know, you're at CES, you're, you've got your hand on the pulse. What, what advice or, you know, what are the key things you're looking forward to uh, for, my audience for retailers and retail industry insiders. What what would you say? Listen, you better pay attention. We talked about AI. I mean, I think that's a that's a gimme. But what other things that they maybe not seeing that you are seeing that they should pay attention to? 
So yes, absolutely AI and the example I gave about uh, AI and images, not just AI and text. Uh, E-commerce will continue to grow in importance. And uh, one of the dangers is to dismiss something that's new. I remember for more than a decade, retailers dismissed Amazon. They said it's not profitable. Um, So we can ignore it. You know, they'll die eventually. The same thing was said of Tesla. Tesla is not profitable, so we can ignore it. Mm. Mm. And if you have well-backed firms, i.e. by venture capitalists, uh, capital isn't a problem, but those firms are growing exponentially. And this is one of the tricks that people don't understand, exponential growth. Mm. At the start, the growth is very... uh, it's a very small number. So yeah, very modest, you know, Starts think really about this. Small. So yeah. one, two, four, eight, 16, 32, 64, 128, 256, 512, 1028. If that 1028 is 1%, it's been below the radar for a very long mm. time and you've mm. ignored it. Mm. But then the final <laughs> growth is staggering. So it's it's just from 1%, if something's doubling every year, it's only seven years until it's 100% of the market. So we need to look at these underlying uh, doubling patterns, these exponential patterns, uh, whether that's growth or a declining cost curve like we talked about with the lithium-ion batteries for right. EVs. Right. We need to understand this. And you can be a brilliant futurist if you just understand these curves. <laughs> Geometric math versus arithmetic math, uh, basically. Exactly uh, right. You've nailed exactly it. Exactly right. So <laughs> pay attention to the trends when they're small. If you're a retailer, what are the small trends that you're seeing and shifting? So, for instance, millennials, uh, younger millennials and Gen Zs do everything on their smartphones. So mm-hmm. if your retail is not mobile first, i.e. you develop for the mobile environment first, Look at M-commerce, which is at mobile commerce, yeah. similar to e-commerce, but it's doing e-commerce on your mobile. Yeah, yeah. Is your site optimized for M-commerce? Because it's growing exponentially. And if you sure. want that younger demographic, you have to focus on it. Now, here's a great case study. I was working with um, high net worth investment advisors, and they were saying to me, well, our clients don't want mobile. Yeah, that's because your clients are all 70 to 90 years old. <laughs> right. And they can't see on a tiny little mobile screen. Yeah, yeah. But when grandpa dies and leaves his $10 million to the 13, um, you know, grandchildren, they're all mobile focused. And a study shows that mm. uh, high net investment retention of the third generation is only 6%. Hmm. So all these years you went without having a mobile presence because you said none of our customers want it. Yeah, that's because they're 90. Um, But when Hmm. they die next year, all their kids are mobile and all the money is going to well simple. So you have to think beyond your current customer base and what is our future customer base? That's a very important lesson. Well, and, and it, it's a great wrap to the interview. I and mean, I think I would add the other thing is, is 
talk and follow you. So where can people get in touch and follow what you do and drop some social links for us? And uh, and where can they get in touch? And are you a LinkedIn? You see LinkedIn, but uh, like I said, how they get in touch and where do they follow your insightful work? Sure. On LinkedIn, I'm just Jim Harris, Michael, and you and I are connected. So if yeah. your listeners are connected to you, they can see me through you. Um, on Twitter, it's at Jim Harris, mm-hmm. but a quarter million people follow me there. Um, the YouTube channel, you can just search Jim Harris and Disruption, and you mm-hmm. can see uh, some of my videos there. Um, if you uh, can think of a conference or a seminar where you feel I'd be great as a keynote speaker, you can just email me at jim at jimharris.com. Fantastic. Have uh, insights will travel. Very good. Well, <laughs> Jim, listen, it's been it's been too long since you and I had the opportunity to actually be in the same place. And, and thank you for joining me on the mic. Uh, long overdue. And I hope we uh, I'm sure we'll keep in touch. But for now, thanks for joining me on the Voice of Retail podcast and sharing your insights and wisdom and, and encourage everybody to follow you and uh, you'll be smarter for it. So once again, thanks for joining me on the pod. Well, Michael, thank you so much for having me on. And I'm really looking forward to being on five times because I understand you get a jacket then. <laughs> right. So I'm, I'm gunning for the jacket. <laughs> well, I'll get you back to see how all this AI uh, stuff works out before the end of the year. So thanks again for joining. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for tuning into this episode of The Voice of Retail. If you haven't already, be sure and follow on your favorite podcast platform so new episodes will land automatically each week. And be sure to check out my other retail industry media properties, Remarkable Retail Podcast with Steve Dennis and the Global E-Commerce Leaders Podcast. Last but not least, if you're into barbecue, check out my YouTube barbecue show, Last Request Barbecue, with new episodes each and every week. I'm your host, Michael LeBlanc, consumer growth consultant, president of Emmy LeBlanc and Company Inc., Maven Media, and keynote speaker. If you're looking for more content or want to chat, follow me on LinkedIn or visit my website at meleblanc.co. Safe travels, everyone.